0: Hey, everyone. Before we get to the episode, we want to take a moment to address the June 24th Supreme Court decision to overturn Roe v. Wade. This decision stripped away the legal right to have a safe and legal abortion. Restricting access to comprehensive reproductive care, including abortion, threatens the health and independence of all Americans. This decision could also lead to the loss of other rights. To learn more about what you can do to help, go to choice.crd.co. We encourage you to speak up, take care, and spread the word. Comic book, comic book, does whatever a book does. Read by us while drinking, incoherent, rambling, look out, this is our podcast.
1: Hi everyone and welcome to the SJW Comic Book Club, a book club style podcast where three friends get together once a week to learn a little bit more about comics. I'm host number one, Monte, who had read the most comics before we started this podcast.
2: I'm host number two, Veronica, who had read some comics and read about some comics before we started this podcast.
0: And I'm host number three, Melissa, whose main experience with comics have been the ones I read for this podcast.
1: And this week, like the title says, we are going to have a mini-sode, and this one is going to be hosted by me. Ha 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 So, Monte, would you like to introduce (laughs) (laughs) what we're talking about this week? So this week, we are going to be talking about Bill Sienkiewicz. Uh, We're going to be doing... We didn't actually read the stories, but we did. We just kind of went through, got a feeling for his art style. He's one of my favorite artists, and so I wanted to talk about him. So Bill Sienkiewicz, born Bolslav William Felix Robert Sienkiewicz, is a comic book artist from the 1980s whose distinctive art style is foundational to modern comic book art. Sienkiewicz's art was revolutionary for the time due to his highly abstract and stylized style. He used oil painting, photorealism, collage, and other forms that at the time were not generally used in comic books. And many artists, including Gabriel Hernandez-Walta, whose work we talked about in an earlier minisode, have built on the foundation Sienkiewicz set. Sienkiewicz has won multiple Eisner Awards, multiple Eagle Awards, and an Inkpot Award, as well as many others. He has worked for Marvel, DC, Dark Horse, and various smaller publishers, but the work he is most known for is probably his work with Marvel, specifically the first volume of New Mutants. Sienkiewicz's art style set the tone for the book, really cementing the creepy, supernatural, and suspenseful feel of New Mutants comics, which is something that would last... Uh, Up until the present day, really, or at least it's something that's referenced on the team a lot, even if it's not like an overall theme of every volume. So the three story arcs we looked at in preparation for this episode are three of Senkevich's most distinct works with Marvel. First is the Demon Bear story arc of New Mutants, which is one of my favorites. And if we're being honest, this whole mini-sode is just like lampshading for me to gush about the <laughs> Demon Bear story arc of, of New course. Mutants. Uh, Second is an issue of the first volume of Moon Knight, uh, issue 26. And then third is the Stray Toasters limited series, which is a four-issue thriller. It's described in some places as a thriller. It's described in other places as like a psychological exploration other places as sci-fi so it's just kind of genre crossing I guess it's about a criminal psychologist who is investigating a serial killer and while this isn't one of Sienkiewicz's best known story arcs it is one that critics often praise and is noted for being very indicative of his style so now that we know a little bit about Sienkiewicz what stands out to you guys about his art style
0: Earlier, you sort of mentioned how he would combine oil painting, photorealism, collage, etc. So what stood out to me is basically when you say he would combine, we mean like on the same panel, he mm-hmm. would combine something that looks like a pencil sketch with an oil canvas backdrop or, or something like that. Um, he has an incredible way of layering different textures. Like you don't think about textures a lot in comic books unless it's like really well done like this where it almost looks like the art is different like it has a different texture um from the panel to panel on page to page and a lot of it is very beautiful um and some of it is just like you're not really sure what you're looking at and that's the point because you're not supposed to know what you're looking at because what you're supposed to be looking at is feeling con like the serial killer one confusion scared <laughs> not I don't know what's going on <laughs> off kilter yeah yes that tracks <laughs> so it definitely adds to the tone and like we didn't really read these I just kind of like skimmed through them but I could I could tell you what the atmosphere of this comic should be or probably is um just based on the artwork
2: from what you said about like how much comic art has built on this style which is surprising because it's very out there i would say when you were saying stray toasters is like people have said it's really indicative of their of his art style uh i think what they mean is it's his art style without limitations and turned up to 11 uh just do whatever the fuck you want
1: <laughs> yeah it was for an imprint so like that alone gives him a lot more freedom and then also like, since it wasn't, obviously, New Mutants, Moon Knight, it was the first volume, so it, it he probably had a lot more influence there. But, like, Stray Toasters was, like, 1988, so it was after he had drawn all of this, like, really great stuff that everyone loved. And then also, it was a small book, so I imagine they were just like, Bill, do whatever you want. <laughs> <laughs> and go to town. did.
2: Um, but it's, like, a really shocking and abstracted art style. Um, and very, uh, variegated. So it's kind of surprising that so much stuff is based on it. And as I was looking through even the first one on your list, which is the New Mutants one, which, I mean, Moon Knight is pretty representative too. New Mutants and Moon Knight are more representative art, like telling a story through sequential storytelling. Even as I was reading through that, I was like, wait, this reminds me of this, like 14 different times. And I was only kind of right twice when I thought that it reminded me of the Judge Dread comics we read. He has worked on Judge Dread. I don't think he did the one that we read, uh, Judge Dread America.
1: No, I don't think so. I think that was probably, no, probably not. Yeah,
2: but I can definitely see he worked on Judge Dread a lot. So probably the art style, you know, took off from him a bit. Um the one I was right about was he did an issue in Sandman Endless Nights, the delirium issue, which Endless Nights is sort of the epilogue follow-up collection to the original Sandman run. But I was also going through like a ton of other things we had read, like that Daredevil wake up comic, which was Mm -hmm. a super uh, different medium sort of art style, more watercolor than oil painting, but oil painting as well. And, um, that issue of x23 the precursor one to the actual story one that we read back in season three that was like a super sketchy atmospheric uh shockingly off-kilter sort of art style and just like a bunch of other things so like even though it's so out there it also has permeated a ton of comics
1: yeah What was the Wonder Woman story that we read? Earth One. Wonder Woman Earth One, when we read that, um, one of the things that we praised in that was the art and how it was really beautiful, it was really evocative, but it wasn't necessarily atmospheric. There's, like, I would say there's, like, two... I mean, obviously, there's more than two, but in my head, there's two, like, overarching umbrellas of comic book art, and one is, like, that where it's very beautiful. It's very evocative. It's very demonstra- demonstrative and like detailed, um, like thinking about like John Romita jr, that kind of school of, of art. And then there's the other side, you know, and I think Bill kevitch is a really great example of it, although he's obviously not the only one where it's more abstract, um, the different mediums and more atmospheric and both can be so, so, so good. And, um, also both have to fit the story that they're in like i don't know if that wonder i don't know if wonder woman earth one would work very well with bilson kevich's style of art <laughs> um but it worked extremely well with i'm completely blanking on who did the art for it yannick
2: yannick paquette
1: yeah yannick paquette. Um, but it works extremely well with his art and like vice versa. A lot of people, not a lot of people, but several people have tried to do Demon Bear, have tried to draw Demon Bear, have tried to incorporate it into the stories. There is no point in doing it. You should just let it die. No one is going to be able to replicate the Demon Bear.
2: <laughs> Which is sad because I honestly want a plushie of Demon Bear, but it cannot exist in three-dimensional space. So, mm, so this is true. the great tragedy tragedy of my life from this point forward. <laughs> but yeah, New Mutants was, I don't know what the rest of this book looks like, but it was kind of like shockingly well-suited to that story and gave it like such a unique feel, especially with the more representative parts layering in. Like, it's still abstracted when it's more representative of like people's faces, like all awash in color and things like that. But then when it shifts into this sort of, like, reality-bending art side-by-side side with it was a whole other thing, apart even from the comics where he does almost all of it in the super-abstracted style. It was also really impactful to have the sequential and representative parts contrasted with the more abstract.
1: Okay, I'm going to gush about New Mutants for a little bit. <laughs> I am sorry, it. but it's what I'm going to do. If so, New mutant to gush
2: about his babies.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so New Mutants starts in 1981, right? Which is kind of, I think it's about four years after claremont started writing on x-men so x-men is like super popular by this point claremont has revived it you've had like dark phoenix all of those like classic storylines and marvel was like there need to be more mutants everyone loves the x-men we need more x teams and so claremont was like okay we'll come up with uh who fuck i can't think of who uh helped who it wasn't just claremont who created new mutants there was someone else but i can't i can't think of who it is and that's gonna annoy me but it's just it is what it is so um like they come up with new mutants but they don't really know exactly what to do with the team and it's like it's a little bit darker than normal x-men but it's not like super dark it's not like super super like very supernatural all of that stuff so Sinkevich comes in in issue 18, which is the first one that we read, the beginning of Demon Bear, and he basically sets the tone for New Mutants for the next like 40, 50 issues. Um, I think he actually did the art on most of them, but even when he didn't do the art, it's like it's super dark, super gritty, a lot of supernatural elements, sort of like an almost horror kind of for a comic book, which is so surprising, especially because these were like the younger version of the X-Men, so you would think that they would be lighter than the adult team, but it was the complete opposite, and it's all because of Bill Sienkiewicz, because he's a genius, and Claremont <laughs> is a genius also. Um, it was Louise Simonson. Louise Simonson was the editor. Um, Claremont and Louise Simonson also geniuses, but Bill Sienkiewicz was the mastermind (laughs) the vision i've decided in my head
2: (laughs) that's how we want it to be (laughs) um that moon knight issue though also uh i actually for most of these i tried to actually read the first issue and then i would skim the rest the moon knight Mm -hmm. one is only one issue uh for 1980 shockingly poignant like a i mean like a punch to the face uh, I would recommend going back and actually reading that one. That one reminded me a lot of the Daredevil Wake Up comic because, you know, child abuse. Um, and I don't know the first goddamn thing about Moon Knight. <laughs> I know barely anything about him. I don't know if I knew he existed before, like, a year and a half ago. Um, But that's a you know, very he looks good cool. Issue. He does look very
0: cool. He looks very cool. Mm-hmm. Uh,
2: But yeah, the art in that like was so cohesive with the story and it's one issue long and it fucking is a punch to the face as I just said but I will say it again because that's the only way you can say it and it's like literally a pun but I don't want it to be a pun but that's what it is
1: it's because of the artwork titled hit it so
2: (laughs) yeah
0: and the artwork that appears like very frequently of like a child drawing An artwork of his of his dad, you know,
2: literally pounding you into the ground with its point. So yeah, holy shit, the poignancy.
1: And the device that's you like the device of the hands and the like child drawings over, kind of overlaid over. Because this one, I would say, is probably the least. It's the most like a traditional comic book when it comes to the art like it's the most in sync with other 80s artists i would say but then like the devices that Sinkevich uses makes it really stand out
2: i mean so even good. they
0: don't even have traditional panels and every it's like they they took yeah what you would normally see like very rigid panels you know, somewhat even, but it sometimes just throws the panels into the wind and has an overarching sort of feature on the page that works with multiple panels at once. And it is also conveying the thing that Veronica's talking about. And it's also, you know, it looks cool, you know? Yeah. I think I will read this one. <laughs> yes.
2: Because it that did. Long.
0: Yeah, and, and, and just by looking at the artwork, I wanted to know what the story was about based on the artwork.
2: Yes. Um, did you guys, I threw in a link to that Sandman issue. Did you guys scroll through that at all? I scrolled through at least one of the issues. Um, it looks
0: super trippy. Yes. Vivid. Vivid images Yes, (laughs) you will see if you read this comic that Veronica is recommending
2: this is another one where uh, content warning for sexual assault in that one but it is a story about a bunch of people in the realm of Dream's sister Delirium venturing into a Delirium singularity to rescue Delirium so it's basically a perfect storm of crazed imagery and I think that's a great place. They got the right man for the job. <laughs> they <laughs> did. To do that, one.
0: <laughs> it is phenomenal. The colors they put together mm-hmm. for this issue, like with the bold reds and blues. Yes. I mean, I know reds and blues are used so frequently in superhero, but like it, they just look new in, in
2: in this comic. They look fresh. Yes, and especially in that one, there's five different people from the realm of delirium basically just people with mental illnesses on earth who she claims as her people and each of them has a distinct psychosis basically which is illustrated totally differently i mean it all kind of melds into a storm of saint but i've read this this issue dozens of times over the last like 15 years trying to understand what it's saying <laughs> and i'll tell you there is a lot to get from it <laughs>
0: So what you're saying is we should just read this one next I mean,
2: yes yeah, just this
0: story arc next without any context of what's oh, just happening before <laughs> or after totally just crazy. chapter <laughs> five <laughs> yes.
2: just chapter five we can read chapter four which is basically just like 12 different poems about depression very abstract so 2020
0: through 2022 <laughs> like yeah. just you know <laughs> encapsulating
2: the nation <laughs> starting it in 2020 2016 <laughs> 2022 <laughs> no but yes I adore this art Monte I want posters of Bilsenkevich art
1: you can probably get quite a few <laughs> posters of Bilsenkevich art <laughs> we already kind of mentioned it a little bit but are there any other issues that we've read or any artists that pop to mind if you know of any that are really comparable to Sienkiewicz's art style or that you think are a good contrast like let's compare and contrast Bill Sienkiewicz with some of the other things that we've read and seen
2: so just one that I still have pulled up from it reminding me is I guess it would be David Mack from that Daredevil wake up comic that we read way back in season five I don't know anything else from him but that was one of the big things (laughs) that uh, reminded me
0: yeah I would say that the Daredevil wake up comic that Veronica mentioned previously is one of the more striking comparisons of similarity with the different textures and sort of like the abstract way of showing what's happening. So which like kind of adds to the nar- narration of the story, etc. But I'm going to throw this out there. I would actually like to compare this to lock and key, Ooh. the graphic novel. It was, it's different. It's completely different, but it can, convey that same spooky dread that like because I remember the artwork from that comic was so powerful um, and just stuck with me like certain panels I can still kind of remember Uh, so just a phenomenal way of conveying what needs to happen I I would compare it you know in what ways are they standout ish Um, you know why are they so remarkable even though they're totally different
1: the art in lock and key, from what I remember of it, it wasn't so much that it wasn't realistic, but it was like, it was very heavy and the coloring was very heavy. And it gave it overall a, a feeling of like, not everything is what it seems to be. Mm-hmm. And it also did, from what I remember, the artist, I don't remember, I don't know who did it.
2: He replied to us on Twitter. Though. <laughs> Gabriel Rodriguez.
1: Yeah, yeah, it was an. It was like an it was an interesting blend of realism and more of a i wouldn't necessarily say abstract but kind of i guess abstract would be the closest word that I could come up with for it, but it wasn't it wasn't abstract like whatever
2: <laughs> whatever gives up it was evocative
1: yeah it was it was very evocative, David Mack is kind of hot
2: <laughs> no stop it, so it seems like he did the intro title sequence for jessica jones and maybe for winter soldier
1: what are you talking about Whomst?
2: if you go to david max david Mac, if you go to his website under projects he has the intro title sequence for jessica jones
1: yeah i can see that comparison like even if it's not necessarily a one-to-one comparison between lock and key and Billson kevich it's definitely within the same like school where you're going for feelings you're going for impressions
2: kind of almost a dark painterly style that
1: like yes. they have in common. Yes, that's that's <laughs> what what I'm that's what I'm trying to say. It's like it's like a different medium. It's not necessarily what you would expect from a comic book. And I think in that way that's how I would compare him to like Gabriel Hernandez Walta, who is another one who like Gabriel Hernandez Walta's art I would say is super sketchy in a very realistic way. Like mm-hmm. I wouldn't describe his art as abstract really at all. Even though, like, it does lend itself very well to, like, interesting color work and stuff. But I would compare it in the way that it's like the design of the art is to create a feeling.
2: There's almost like an incredible vignette type of stillness to Sienkiewicz's art. Like, it's very dynamic visually, but almost every panel seems kind of like a vignette and a very isolated image, which, on the other hand, a lot of sequential comic book art is trying to create a very, like, spatially dynamic movement to the characters on the page. And not everyone that we've said is comparable to Sienkiewicz has that same kind of stillness, but that's just another point on the spectrum. There's the painterly quality, there's the crazed sketchiness, there's the stillness there's the oh what's that crazy word the juxtaposition of hyper realist painterly sketchy style with the textures and the bursting out of the panels like there's so many points of it that are unique that you only really have to have one to really remind you of it from a different artist it's like so evocative in so many different directions (laughs) And I mean, like, even from page to page, like, if you're going through stray toasters, like, there's whole pages of that black and white grid style, but super sketchy, and then there's the crazy abstract, and then there's the super oil paintery on a different page. Like, it varies so much, even in one work.
1: I would say also, with the atmospheric art styles, I think you you have a lot more leeway to do interesting things with paneling, obviously, because they're abstract, but also because, like... With the John Romita Jr. or, like, the John Cassidy um, art, where it's more of, like, a traditional comic book style, um, I feel like the moments that are really good that pop into my head are ones that are really cinematic. Like, that's kind of what you're going for, is a really cinematic kind of feel. Um, Whereas with the more abstract um, and atmospheric art, you don't really need those cinematic moments. Like I believe it was in the daredevil episode or it might've been, actually, I think it was in the Magneto episode with Gabriel Hernandez Walta, where I think it was Melissa who said like nothing about the art really stands out. Like there's no specific panel. You thought it was hard to choose a favorite panel because there's no specific panel that necessarily stands out, but it's just the art as a whole defines the story. And I think that is kind of what Bill Sienkiewicz does as well. Except for with Demon Bear.
2: (laughs) There's a bunch of really uh, striking panels in the Demon Bear. (laughs)
1: Yeah. And also with the Moon Knight, I can think of a few panels off the top of my head that stuck with me. So, but they're not cinematic. They stick with you, but for different reasons. The way that a painting would stick with you.
2: Yeah. They're like trippy and experiential. It just really goes to show the capabilities of the comic book medium. Like it's not it's not just a shadow of cinema. It's not just picture books of written stuff like comics and graphic novels and manga and webcomics. <laughs> They're all a medium unto themselves that have their all own right. strengths and their own capabilities in many directions.
1: So usually with our episodes we end with a favorite panel. And in these art mini that we've done before, we did the same thing. So is there a favorite panel that sticks out to you? If not, which of these stories was your favorite book? How about that?
0: I thought that the Stray Toasters story stuck out the most to me. Uh, in particular, I think it is the second or third page of the second issue of that, where it looks like a photo of... Something electronic, but there's it's obviously not a photo. It's got textures of like thick paint, it has wires on it. It looks both 3D and 2D at the same time in specific areas. There's like a tiny little black, like white, uh, circle with like a black silhouette person inside of it. And I don't know the context because I didn't actually read anything, but. It just looked so cool because it just, I, it, 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 it's like mostly not drawn in this in this page. It's very pretty, but also creepy as hell. Like, yes. I don't absolutely kind of don't want to know what's going
2: on because it feels like it would be scary. <laughs> it it is uh, scary. <laughs> that one reminded me of Dave McKean does the Sandman covers and a bunch of other stuff. Like, he works a lot in physical objects incorporated with painting and stuff. Um, For me, I really liked... I thought it was most striking when it was a combination of representative and sequential art with... Oh, God, the pop-ups are raging upon me. um, With the other stuff. So I chose the splash page from the beginning of the New Mutants issue number 20. Uh, is it like the first page or the second page? <laughs> it's just like a two-page spread pulled back with Demon Bear just looking like full-body revealed for the first time, possibly. Maybe it happened before. But it just looks kind of ridiculous, but super striking.
1: Um. So my favorite panel is in the first issue of New Mutants, New Mutants new mutants issue 18 and it's when the demon bear first reveals itself you see like hints of the demon bear throughout the issue um but it's when uh danny moonstar yells at the demon bear show yourself and then there's a page with the demon bear looming over her and it's just it's such an amazing like page turn I want to specify that, like, when I said earlier, nobody else can or should do the demon bear, it's not because they're bad at art or like they're bad at drawing. When other people have tried to do the demon bear, they've done a good job. It's just, it doesn't compare to this story arc and the way that it's shown there. (laughs) It's so good. The giant claws, the like burning red eyes, and this like really dark backdrop. Like, the color, the coloring is great. Whoever did the coloring in this issue, I say that like I can't just look.
2: (laughs) It's impossible to know.
1: Yeah, let me just... Oh, see, I definitely... I'm glad I looked. So, Glynnis Wine did the coloring in this issue. Um, She did such a good job of just, like, really making Sinkevich's art pop. Like, everything pops so well in these issues. I really love it. I'm going to give another panel. (laughs) This is my other favorite. (laughs) It's the last page of issue 19. Uh, When the demon bear is looming over the entire team, Sharon Friedlander, and I don't remember the guy's name, I think it's Tom Corsi or something, are kind of like floating. And it's just, it's a really great panel. It's hard to describe, but you'll see a picture of it. It's great. Yeah, that's, that's all that I really have about Bill Sienkiewicz. I feel like it's okay for the art minisodes to be even shorter than the normal minisodes.
0: Of course, we're going to post all these amazing panels on our Instagram at SJW Comics Cast, so check us out. And who is next on the list, you guys? It's Monte, right? Mm-hmm. You're, you've got our next comic. What are we reading next? Please
2: tell me. We want to know.
1: Uh, so I'm super excited for next week's episode, which is Nubia and the Amazons. By Vita Ayala. I have been so excited to read this. And not only am I finally going to get to read it, but also our uh, frequent guests and um, also real life black people. I'm going to have real life black people to talk about <laughs> Nubia and the Amazons with Marcy and Akko from the uh, Colored Pages Book Club Ooh. are going to be talking about this story with us.
2: Congratulations, Monte. I feel like at this point, they're partners. They're our sister podcast. Yeah, they
0: really are. They may not say the same about us, but we're definitely (laughs) saying that about them.
2: (laughs) We claim them as our unwilling sister. (laughs) Yes.
1: Hey, we have game nights. They're our sister podcast. Yeah,
2: they are
0: delightful, and everyone should go check them out.
2: Yes, especially if you love YA fiction which I do. But yes, we will be linking to that comic in the description of this episode so that you can read along if you so desire. But that is it for this week. If you enjoyed our show, please subscribe to our podcast. Also subscribe to the Colored Pages Book Club and leave us a rating, a good rating. We would appreciate it very much. Uh, if you want to keep up with us on social media, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at sjwcomicscast or email us directly at sjwcomicspodcast at gmail.com. Also remember to check out all the nerd culture and comic book podcasts in our network, The Hall of Pods, including The Fandom Optimists, True Believers, A Comics Podcast, and Cape Corner, also linked in the description of this episode. But this was our podcast. We will see you next week. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.